Well, good morning, Pitts Baptist. Man, it's good to be here. I could be in Orlando. And uh, so I get here, and uh, your pastor takes me out to eat in a shooting. I felt just at, right at home. And uh, so, <laughs> although I'm glad it turned out to be fake news as well. Uh, I, I am 60. I know I don't look like it, so thank you. But uh, uh, I, I just, I have all this energy, and it has to go somewhere. So you are the victims today. Uh, in this service and the next one. Uh, I became a grandfather in the last three years. Isn't that a cool thing? Yeah, you guys, some of you grandparents know what I'm talking about. Isn't it great? I mean, don't, don't you wish you just could have bypassed having kids and gone straight to grandkids? I mean, I tell my kids that all the time. They, they complain to my wife about it. And, uh, you know, and they go home at the end of the day. I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to change their diaper. I, I don't have to listen to their whining. They go home go home. And so I'm enjoying this. Grand I have six grandchildren, uh, three natural, and my daughter just adopted three more. Uh, she's insane, but, uh, she, <laughs> but uh, they're all girls. And I asked for one football player, and they gave me three ballerinas, uh, the natural ones anyway. And uh, so I said, everybody has to do a do-over. And I said, the first one that gives me a grandson gets the inheritance. And my kids are very competitive. So uh, I'm, I'm anticipating maybe if I come back next year or something, you know, maybe we'll have that grandson, but I'm, I'm still waiting. But it is a joy to be with you, and I just really want to jump right into the Word of God, okay? I, I love God's Word. I preach it. I've been preaching since I was uh, 15, and uh, I, I just, I love what God has to say to me, and now I want to share some of that with you. So if you have a Bible, turn to the last uh, couple of verses of Exodus chapter 2. I want to talk to you about a message called, You Are God's Answer. You Are God's Answer. And I want to introduce it this way. There's a lot of people that think that the people of the Bible are sort of like superheroes, aren't they? Walk on water, uh, celebrities, uh, grade A type of personalities. And then you start reading about these guys, and, and they were like you and me. They were a mess. They made messes. They were messed up. And so one of the guys that we elevate is Moses. But we're going to see in the story, he doesn't quite get it the way God intended. So I want you to jump in with the last two verses of chapter 2 of Exodus. And I want you to look, first of all, at the circumstances of Moses. Let me read the word with you. And the Bible says, verse 24, And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob, you may remember, they'd been in bondage for centuries in Egypt. So God hears them. <clears throat> now, how many of you know that if we pray and don't get an answer in four minutes, we're ticked? They've been praying for 400 years. And finally, God responds. Now, God does respond, but in his timing. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> Excuse me, and in his way. So next verse. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. So, so here's the circumstances. God hears their groan. Uh, Moses, as you may remember, is, is in this whole uh, setup where he's been floated down the river. Uh, I've been a pastor a long time. There's a lot of people I wanted to float down the river. Uh, they kept coming back, though. And, um, and, and so his, his mama floats him down the river to preserve his life. You may remember the story. Uh, the princess picks him up. He's raised in nobility. He's raised with everything he could ever want. He wears the finest clothes, goes to the greatest schools, have, has the latest tech. I mean, this guy has it all. And one day he sees one of his brethren being mistreated. And so if you've read the story, you may remember that he goes in and intervenes and winds up killing the Egyptian taskmaster. And you would think at that point that all the people would have rallied around Moses and would have said, come on, Moses, lead us into deliverance. 
Instead, the guy says, as he sees him the next day, are you going to kill me too? And Moses knew he was in trouble. And so the Bible says, instead of being the great deliverer, in fact, if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, the old movie with Charlton Heston, you know, some of you are old enough, you remember that, you know, long beard and big muscles and all that kind of stuff. That was not, Moses was more like Sheldon Cooper. I mean, that's the truth. And so instead of doing the thing that God was preparing for, he runs and he gets out of Dodge. And so we find him as we enter chapter 3. In verse 1, we find Moses, now 80 years old, on the backside of the desert, tending his father-in-law's sheep. Let's, let's look at the story. Chapter 3, verse 1. And the Bible says, And Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. I mean, you would too, right? I'm kind of bush. You're in the desert. It's burning, but not burning up. I mean, we'd all be curious. We'd all want to know, what is God doing? So Moses does what we would do, and he goes over to see why the bush is not burning up. Now notice verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Evidently, he didn't hear him the first time. He's 80 years old. Come on. And uh, so, so God has repeated. And Moses said the greatest thing he could say, here am I. I love that song we just sang, Pastor, a few moments ago. Here am I. What's the rest of it? Okay, I know you're the 9 o'clock crowd. Come on. But here I am. Send me. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, you got to stay awake. All right? And, and uh, here I am. Send me. Greatest thing. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Now, sometimes we don't say that. Sometimes God tells me. Well, in fact, when I was leaving to come, I mean, I was leaving Orlando, uh, uh, pastoring a church in Orlando, the land of Mickey and Minnie. Come on, who wants to leave there? Guys have their resumes by the thousands wanting to go to Orlando, but God calls me to West Virginia, a town that doesn't even have a stoplight, has one stop sign that nobody stops at. That, that was the town that God called me to. And the pastor gave a great account of the story. That's a true story. Um, they, uh, we eventually became the largest church in the mid-Atlantic. And, and just through the grace of God, planted a bunch of churches out of that church. Uh, seven of them, one of them died, and, and six of them are still going. They planted churches. I've got great, great grandkids now in the ministry uh, because of what God did. But I didn't want to go there. I didn't go, here I am, I send me to West Virginia. Now, if you're from West Virginia, I'm not knocking your state. I'm just saying, who wants to leave Disney to go to a town of 1,200 people? But how many of you notice that sometimes when God calls you, it isn't exactly what or where you think it's going to wind up or should be? How many of you know that sometimes when God calls you, it stretches you? How many of you know that when God calls you, it's God calling you and not a bad burrito? You say, how do you tell the difference? Because when God calls you, the call remains. It's sustained by the will of God. You can I mean, come on. If you try to avoid the will of God, you wind up like Jonah in the smelly belly of a welly of a fish, right? And nobody wants to do that. So if God is calling you, if God is stirring you up to something, to one of these dozens of ministries that are so fine that are going to be displayed today, if God's calling you, and I want to say this to you, if I can, I'm just going to give you the closing part of the statement, right? Well, I'm going to give you the invitation lead in right now. God is calling you. So it's not a matter, but the, the thing is, you just got to figure out where. You know, you got to, God, what are you calling me to do? I know you're calling me. So mine was West Virginia. 
And I didn't want to go, but I went there, and my greatest ministry happened in the place that I didn't want to go. How many of you know that if you stay where you are when God is calling you, you will never know the best and greatest ministry that God has for you? You'll be good, but you won't be great. You'll enjoy some of it, but you won't enjoy the full bounty that God has for you. There's some of you that have been sitting for so long. Your pastor didn't tell me to say this, but uh, 50 bucks. And, uh, and, uh, but, 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 God, but, but God's been troubling your heart, and you know it. Because you're restless and you're not satisfied and you're discontented and, and you're just, there's something in you and you can't understand. It's, it's almost like being pregnant and, and you won't let the baby come out. And if the baby stays in, it's toxic. It's the call of God. So Moses, here he is standing. Here's the second thing I want you to see, the second C, the confrontation with Moses. God calls to Moses. Notice what he says. Verse 5, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Well, wherever God is, that's holy ground, right? He said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now notice what God says. Here's the call, verse 7. And the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and bring them to a great and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites. Well, you get the idea. Here a night, there a night, everywhere a night, night. You get the idea. Okay, And now, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So go now. And here's the thing. I imagine Moses up to this point is thinking to himself, yes, God, fling a bolt at, at, at old Pharaoh. Take him off his throne. Deliver the people. It's about time, God. We've been waiting 400 stinking years. Go get them, God. And what does God say? And so I am sending who? You. Now, God, don't you understand there are wanted posters still up for me in Egypt? Don't you understand, God, if I lead the people out, don't you think Pharaoh is going to miss two and a half million people? I mean, come on. Lord, send somebody. What, me? I'm a reject. I tried to deliver my people four decades ago, but look how that turned out. And here I am, God, I'm washed up, I'm used up, and I'm 80 years old. I want to tell you something about age. When you get 60, 80, doesn't sound so old anymore. But man, it sounded old. You know, I mean, you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, the closer you get, you know, I, I mean, I mean, look, you know, uh, I'm just one flu season away from meeting Jesus. You know that? I mean, that's, you know that. And my kids keep asking me, "How much life insurance do you have, Dad?" My my first church <laughs> was was a group of older people. The average age was deceased, and. Um, uh, they called me their little pastor, and they would pat me on the head as they, you know, went out, you know, the, the door each week. Forty people, forty blessed people. That church grew uh, pretty large, and God just came down in a big way. But, but uh, I had Miss Millie up in Baltimore back a couple of summers ago from South Georgia, 77 years old. I don't know why she came. She came because her church was doing a sports camp in Baltimore. And she goes, uh, she goes I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't like football. I don't like soccer. And I, came up. I said, Miss Millie, what do you want to do? She says, I want to go talk to them people on them stoops over there. Because if you've ever been to Baltimore, you know that people that live in the row houses and they have these stoops and they sit out in the summertime because they don't have air conditioning. And so, so I, thought, I thought, okay, Miss Millie, you want to go, you want to go talk to these people? So I got the two biggest uh, church planners I could find. I said, you stay right with Miss Millie. Because, man, if I lose Miss Millie, Kevin Azell will never forgive me. He's our president of our, our, our North American Mission Board. And so for three and a half days, she went and shared her Christ story. At the end of the week, she came back to me and she said, 
I led seven people to Jesus. The first time in my life I've ever led anybody to Jesus. I think she could go on and meet Jesus, don't you? And be pretty satisfied. 77. Some of you are thinking, I'm too old to do this. Moses was 80. Miss Millie was, was, was 77. Listen, you, until you go home, you cannot retire on God. When you breathe, my mama has, she's 85, she has Parkinson's, a little bit of dementia, and she tells me the same story every time she calls me like 10 times, and I just listen like the dutiful son, and, and, um, and I, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, my, it's hard watching your mama, you know, fade away, but here's what my mama does. I, I, I email her five church planners every week to pray for, and my mama can't walk very well. She's still trying to drive her car, and she runs over the post office box and all that kind of stuff, but, but you know, I had to take her keys away recently. And uh, that's bad when you have to take your keys away from your mama. And uh, she says, I can still spank you. That was, that was her response. She probably could. But, she, but she's in bed most of the day. And she wanted to still do something at 85 years of age. And so, so I shouldn't even do email. She didn't even have a computer. So I sent it to my sister. She brings it to her mom, prints it off. And my mom, I think that some of our planters are doing so well because I've got an 85-year-old mother lifting them up to Jesus every day. Don't think you're too old. Don't think you're too young, young people, to get out there. And we've, we've had people seven and eight years of age walking the streets of Baltimore with our church planners and watching them present the gospel. And by the end of the week, those kids are presenting the gospel. And they go back to their home in Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and talk about how they shared their faith, something they'd never done before, and how people are going to heaven now because they came to Baltimore. That's what missions is. That's here I am, send me. But I want you to see what Moses does in this because he, here's what he, he does what a lot of us do. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Here's the third thing I want you to see about Moses. The consternation by Moses. Verse 11, because it, it, it takes a downward turn. And so uh, verse 11, watch this now. But Moses said to God, who am I? I'm a nobody. Ask my friends. Ask my wife. She'll tell you I'm nothing. God, I used to be something, but now I'm nothing. Some of you have failed. So, some of you have messed up royally. Some, some of you have sinned so pervasively that you're wondering whether God could ever still use you. You may not have murdered anybody like Moses did, but, but you, you've come close. You've thought it in your heart, maybe, which Jesus said is kind of the same thing. Or, or maybe you're just one of those people that say, you know, I'm so busy with my business. I have five kids, and we're running them all over the place all the time. And how could God ever use me? I don't have a spare moment. I mean, well, isn't it amazing that, 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 that we always seemingly have this excuse, don't we? When God calls us to do something. And Moses was, I'm a nobody. But here's the thing. It didn't matter whether Moses was a nobody because God isn't looking for somebodies. God is looking for nobodies who believe that he is a somebody. Because when you know that God is a somebody, you can be a nobody. And God has a way of making nobodies somebodies when he fills them with his spirit and sends them out to do his work. I mean, there's nothing better than a fired up spirit filled Baptist I mean, I want to give my charismatic Pentecostal friends a run for the money. We got the Word and the Spirit. And listen, you don't have to speak in tongues. Just use the one you got. Amen. <laughs> I mean, can I just say that? Is that okay, Pastor? If not, I won't say it at the next service, okay? <laughs> Here is Moses. I'm a nobody. And when I what God says, I love this. And God says, verse 12, I'll be with you. <laughs> Isn't that what he says all the time? 
And this will be the sign when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this, in this mountain. So, so you think at that point, Moses would have said, okay, God, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. But he doesn't do that. Verse 12, 13. Moses said to God, but suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell him? Here's the second excuse, Lord. Lord, I know I'm a nobody, but you're a somebody. But, but I don't know what to say. And sometimes, sometimes your pastor will get up here and encourage you or train you or teach you on how to share your Christ story, how to share your faith. And, and, and you'll be, boy, that's great for somebody else that's sitting here today, but I don't know what to say. Do what I told the guy that's in recovery. He just got saved a few weeks ago on the plane next to me. And I, I wanted to take a nap. I'm just being real honest with you. It was a late flight and I didn't want to be bothered. And I kind of sneered at him when he said, can I sit next to you? And I'm, I give him that Baptist look that a lot of you have when you come into church. And, um, and, and until you see the pastor, you go, oh, I'm fine, fine, fine. You know, liars. And, um, and so, <laughs> you know, the Baptist four-letter word, fine, you know. And... Uh, and this guy had just gotten saved a few weeks before in Dallas and been baptized. And he was on the plane going down to uh, uh, Charlotte to drive to go, his sister to, to New York to see the mother. And, um, and, uh, and, and he said, what, what do you say to people? And I said, just tell them what happened to you. There's nothing more powerful than a story. My first person I led to Christ, I thought there was actually a book in the Bible called Hezekiah. Incidentally, there's not. Okay? Just want to make sure. You know? Yeah. And, and so I said, in Hezekiah 3.2, it says, and I found out later, there is no Hezekiah. And the guy still gave his life to Jesus. He's a pastor of a church in Orlando today. So don't tell me God can't use your mess or your mistakes or your mess ups. God will use you in spite of yourself. He'll tell you what to say. More importantly, he will be with you. Because at the end of the day, it's not you who lead people to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that leads them to Jesus. He just uses you as the vehicle to equate them with Jesus. I don't know what to say. I'll be with you. Okay, so we're done with that one. We think Moses would be done at that time. And God's, incidentally, verse 14, just so you know, I'm with, I am who I am. This is who you say I am. And, you know, we get the whole I am thing. So, so next verse, verse 15. And so Moses wasn't done yet. And God, God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, blah, blah, blah. Go assemble them. And, and so here, here's, here's, here's the third excuse because I, I got to hurry up. Chapter 4, verse 1. Jump over there with me. Because we see the complaint from Moses. The complaint from Moses. Third excuse. What, verse 1, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And, and so here we, here we get this thing of, you know, Lord, what if they don't believe me? And, and the issue is in this one is they don't have to believe you. The question is do you believe God? See, it all comes down to faith. Faith is the connecting rod between your problem and your provision. You are the initiator. You are the pipeline that God wants to use. So it doesn't matter whether they believe. Some won't believe. But the matter is, do you believe? You see, I, 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 how many of you use Facebook, incidentally? Anybody use, admit to use Facebook? Uh, come on. You guys do that little screen thing, you know, and find out what people are saying about you. And, uh, and, and most of the time, it's somebody complaining or somebody describing their problem. Have you noticed that? And I just get tired of reading that stuff because I just really feel like you just shouldn't broadcast your problems. I mean, 90% of the people don't care, and 10% are glad you have them. 
I'm serious. What God is looking for are people who will hear his word and respond, here I am, send me. Not because they believe they've got the skills that God needs, but they believe that God has everything you need and he's going to give it to you. See, the belief isn't about you. The belief is about God. See, we've made Christianity Day so much about us, we've forgotten there is a God behind all this. And so I just believe God. When I, when I go up, sometimes I don't want to witness to people because they're big and they're mean and they're, they look weird. And, and they may knock my head off and the Holy Spirit says, go talk to them. And I, and I say to the Holy Spirit, because I like to negotiate with God, how about that skinny guy over there? He'll get saved. I know it. <laughs> and God has me go up to these big biker type guys. And we've got, we've got a church that has 11 biker guys. They've all come to Jesus in the last year and a half. And uh, I've led a couple to Jesus. The planters led nine of them to Jesus. And, and they're big. In fact, the two of them are women, and uh, <laughs> I'm more afraid of them than the guys. <laughs> and, and they sit on the front row. Have you ever noticed people in recovery always sit on the front row? Not that that means anything about you guys. But, <laughs> but, but, and, 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 and it's amazing. And they just keep bringing people to Jesus, and they don't know what to say, and they mess it up. And the Romans wrote they've not even heard of. But they, they just share their story. You see, that's what missions is. When God stirs you up, he may not even tell you like Abraham. He may say, just get up and go. And I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. Just start down the road. That's believing God. Well, how am I going to afford it? I can't go on a mission trip. I can't afford all that money to go on a mission trip. Believe God. Don't look at your checkbook. Look at God. Well, well, I'm just a puny little person that just ushers and takes the offering, and that's all I can do. And yet God is saying to you, that's great, wonderful ministry, but I'm going to use you as well. Just believe me. Are you getting this? So, so that excuse doesn't make it. And then we see, fifthly, the confirmation of Moses. Now, I want to pantomime this before we wrap up because there's something here for you. And, uh, and the story just talks about the stick and and all that. And so God has, says to Moses, verse 2, chapter 4, what's in your hand? Now, now let me, let me pantomime this for you. What's in your hand, Moses? <laughs> Got a stick. <laughs> Sometimes, Lord, sheep do bad things. I go, thump, bad sheep. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Don't look it up. But th this, is my, this is my historical imagination. Moses, throw it down. My, my stick? Isn't it amazing how we always question God? You, my stick? It's all I got left. Throw it down, Moses. Okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you on this one. Remember the story of those of you that read it? He throws it down and it becomes a what? A snake. A snake. Some of you are scared to death of snakes. And I can just see Moses, you know, Charlton Heston, you know, the big burly guy with the flowing beard. And, and I can imagine him saying, wow, Lord, I, I, my, my, my sheik stick, stick my, 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 my stick becometh a snake. And, 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 and wow. But the Bible says he put his knees to the breeze and got out of there. Doesn't it? This is Moses. Our patron guy. And God says, come back over here. Moses, come back. I'm actually saying, God, I don't know what happened. I, I had a stick and now it's gone and all that's there is a snake. I don't know what happened, God. And God says, Moses, pick it up. And if I were Moses, I would have said, you made it. You pick it up. Right? 
So Moses finally obeys God, and he picks it up, and it, the snake becomes what? A stick again. Moses, put your hand in your coat. Uh, Lord, I can't. i got this stick in my hand. Moses, throw it down again. Not going to become a snake again, is it, God? <laughs> so he lays the stick down, and remember the story. He puts his hand in his coat, and he pulls it out, and it's leprous. Zika virus for today. Ebola. You get the idea. I imagine Moses at that point just said, God, God, I don't know. I, I, I just did what you told me to do, God. And how many of you know that sometimes when you do what God tells you to do, it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out? Right? See, see if, it's on, if it's on your plan rather than God's plan, you're in for a big, sweet surprise. He pulls it out, and it's leprous. Worst disease you could have in the Old Testament. God says, put it back in your coat. Moses puts it back into his coat and pulls it out, and it's clean once again. That's powerful, right? You've seen some miracles of God. You, you've seen God do some huge things. And so have some of my planners. I've got one of my planners that, uh, <laughs> that Mark Swan. And Mark is about, I don't know, he, he's a big boy. Let's just put it that way. He, he's supersized. And, uh, in fact, when I hired him, you know, Nam just kind of said, not him. But I tend to take the underdogs. And so I, I took Mark. And Mark planted a church in northwest Baltimore. And, and so I went to his uh, one-year anniversary. And he was baptized in a lady that was bigger than him. She was a little large and about 300 pounds 300 pounds and uh i i wondered how's he gonna baptize because i didn't see a baptismal pool so it was outdoors and they had filled this like kiddie pool uh filled it up with water to baptize her and i'm thinking how's he gonna, how's he gonna do that unfortunately just like most church plants it had sprung a leak during the service and there was only about two inches of water left in that little kiddie pool for a 300-pound woman. And I'm thinking at this point, what is Mark going to do? Well, Mark did what a lot of my church planners do. And if you come up, and I hope you do, to Baltimore, I'm going to introduce you to Mark and, and, and the other guys. And, and so Mark had her lay down and, in the pool. And I'm thinking, okay. Because, like, you know, we're Baptists. You've got to get them all wet. You know? And if it gets back to Nam, we're sprinkling. I'm dead. So Mark reads all these verses about, you know, the Baptist way of baptism, you know, immersion means, you know, getting all wet and that kind of stuff. Stuff your pastors talk to you, you know, good stuff, biblical stuff. And, uh, and he has her laid down and he gets all the people. Now, all these people, they're all in recovery. I mean, this is, a, this is a rough part of Baltimore, man. I mean, it is rough. And they're all, they're all messed up. I mean, they've lost most of their brain cells. I mean, I mean, they are messed up people. But they've all been led to Christ. He's led 39 people to Christ this year. 39. <laughs> Mark. That nobody wanted. And as everybody gathered around, they're all gathered around, come on, Sierra, Sierra. And I'm like, you know, in my little Baptist digs, you know, going, oh God, what's he gonna do? And they all get around, and he said, splash her. And they all begin splashing her <laughs> with two inches of water. And she started giggling. And the people were clapping. And God was laughing along with it. You see, that's what missions is. Missions isn't going to the hard places, although Baltimore and some of the other places that are represented today are hard places. Missions is obeying the call of God that's already being issued to you. It's saying yes to the call that's already been given to you. And then it's getting on an adventure with God where you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know where it's going to happen. You can't figure it all out. You don't have the A to Z plan. But God shows up and miracles like Sierra happen. 
That's missions. And I want to encourage you. In this last thing I want to show you, I think i got two minutes left. Let me show you this. Let me show you. Oh, you got to see this because, because this is the last thing, the challenge for Moses. Because Moses, you would think at this point, man, he's been through all this stuff. And now he's ready. And now he's ready to go. But verse 10, oh gosh, Moses, what are you doing? I've never been eloquent in the past nor since you've spoken. God, I haven't gotten any better. I'm slow of speech. And God says, who gave man his mouth? I made you, Moses. I made you, Moses. Now go. Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Look at this last thing, though. Verse 15, 13, rather. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Now, now guys, we've got th- two minutes. Listen to me very carefully. God will put up with every excuse except that one. Because the next verse says, and the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. God listened to all the reasons and all the excuses. And he's listened to all of yours as well and all of mine. But there's one that will tick God off quicker than anything. And it's when you say, send somebody else. God's calling. God's moving. God's speaking to some of you, all of you right now. And the only right answer, I'm going to give you the answer to the test. The only right answer is yes. Here I am. Send me. So here's what I want you to do. Put down your Bibles. Put down your pens. I want you to stand with me as your pastor comes. He's going to lead you in the invitation. But I want to say one closing thing to you. Just with your hands empty, but your heart open, I want to speak this last statement into your life. Well, today, young person, old, older, senior adult, somewhere in between, rich or poor, will you say to God today, yes, Lord. Don't know where I'm going. Don't know what I'm going to do. Don't exactly even know what you're calling me to. But the answer in advance is yes. And if that's you today, from wherever you are, the balcony, the back, the middle, people will move for you. I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to come and take the pastor or one of the deacon's hands that are here at the front and say to them, my answer today is yes. It may be that you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. And I want to say to you, the best thing you can say today is, yes, Lord, I receive Jesus into my heart to forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, give me new life in Christ. I want to receive Christ into my life today. If that's you, come and talk to the pastor, one of these men at the front. And there may be some of you today that may say, you know, I've been, I'm here for the first time or the tenth time and Man, I need a church home. I, I need somewhere that I can just be a part of a family. And, and maybe your answer today is to say, yes, I want to join Pitts Baptist. I'm going to ask you to come as well. Just in this moment, during the music, during this closing few seconds, guys, I'm going to ask you to do something maybe you've never done or maybe you haven't done in a long time. I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you. I'm going I'm to challenge you today to say yes to God before we close in the next few moments. Will you do that? Even right now.